Because if you're constantly living into your goals, then you're missing here now. And life cannot be experienced outside of here now. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show, Adam. Man, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Things that life is good. How about you? Yeah, good. I think this this might be our earliest recording ever today, huh? Yeah, it's even earlier yeah. for you. It's what seven a.m. for me, but it's got five a.m. for you right now. Good it on is you. Five a.m. out here. Yeah. So, but it doesn't. Luckily, count. I'm getting used to this. I started a five a.m. run club out here in Denver. So the. Uh, so today it's, we usually meet on uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So Tuesdays and Thursdays at five AM available, but still, uh, still strange to get up. And, he, usually know, by five AM, by five AM, he has already a half marathon ran. Usually, so it's right. okay. It's a piece of cake for him. And another day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least started. <laughs> yeah. So, so you heard the voice. Let's just jump right into it. We got a, a really special guest today. His name is Mark Picard, or Mark and. Antoine Picard, right? How do you how oh. do you like to be called? Yeah, I go by Mark usually. Just Mark. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Wonderful thanks for show. coming on. Wonderful show. Interviewing people on their way to badassery, right? That's sort of uh pretty much. That's really, <laughs> really cool. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the thank I you. like the concept of the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we thought it was appropriate to have you on for that. So uh, <laughs> why don't we start a little bit with your origin story, Mark? First, first of all, tell us where you are right now. So so I'm originally from Montreal. So this is where my $2 English accent is uh, coming from. Um, <laughs> but I live in Spain. I live near Barcelona in the center of, of Catalonia. So in the paradise of trail running, of course. Uh, after spending oh, wow. eight years in Vegas uh, performing on, on one of the biggest shows on the planet at Cirque du Soleil, I retired back in, that was, uh, that, that was six years ago already. And meanwhile, I started, uh, I always was a businessman and I started at, at a marketing agency and I ended up being a real estate podcast producer and my agency is booming. And I need to pinch myself every single day. Like I'm jumping in a plane in two weeks to go to New Mexico to work on a project with one of my real estate clients. And I'm like, what? How did I go? How did I go from Cirque du Soleil to sitting with real estate investors? Like, well, there's a part I've been missing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting job. But before we it get is. into what you're doing now, I'm just curious, what does life like for a performer in Cirque du Soleil when you're not in yeah. the middle of the performance? Like what, what does life outside of those few hours look like? Mm, you mean the everyday life in Vegas or, or yeah. do you? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess, are you training throughout the day? Are you meeting yeah. together to critique yourselves after? Are you working so, out every day? Like what does it yeah. look like? Um, <clears throat> so there, I'm talking my, my experience is more with Cirque du Soleil, right? On, on big shows like that. And there's two different way of of uh, of living your life at Cirque you have the touring life and the resident show life all right so I did both um, to answer you first the touring life is a little bit more intense uh, you're gonna work six days a week you're gonna have longer days more trainings because the cast is usually reduced the, the cast will be between like I want to say about 40 performers 45 performers ish so it's significantly less than a resident show in Vegas, where you can have 80, 90 performers, right? So the workload is different on tour. So they, they definitely work harder uh, on tour to my personal, that's a, this is my personal opinion. Resident show, well, it becomes a W2 job. Want mm -hmm. it or not, yes, you train, but it becomes part of your job. 
you take care of yourself but it it the mentality is very different uh, resident than touring touring you still have that sort of artistic we're a group of artists together we're touring together because want it or not you change cities all the time right but whereas in vegas you stay at the same place so then you buy a house you have cars you, you your kids go to school so you know what i mean so it becomes a right. w2 it, it becomes a, a w2 job and that that is the one of the main reason why i retired why i i decided to stop because i always have been an entrepreneur this is in my dna i started my first business i was 19 years old you know so so to me i, I never fitted into the i never had the employee mindset and at some point, I got a little fed up of that, of working with people that really had only the employee mindset and never were on the other side of things and, and don't, don't know what it is to manage employee and having your skin in a deal and risking stuff. What does it mean? Because when you're an employee, an employee it's easy to, to complain about who's, who, whoever is higher up on, on the corporate ladder, right? But until you make it there and you understand you just don't understand the, the, the mindset shift, the, the, the change in, in perspective, you know? So that, that was one of the reasons why I, I decided to, to, to stop being an employee, actually. So did you start your marketing agency on the side or did you just make the leap, yeah. no pun intended, from, from so, Cirque to... <laughs> while I was working, so I was performing 478 shows a year. I was oh, wow. always, yes, it's two shows a day, five shows, a, uh, five days a week. So that's, that's the schedule on, on in resident show more or less. Now they do a little bit less shows, but still, I always study stuff on the side to learn about anything. And I had one project that one business project in Vegas that, that failed, completely failed. I found a gap in the market. I found, I talked to like potential, you know, buyers, potential, like, you know, when you find that sort of, ah, uh, I found the, the, a solution to a great problem and I can make money with it. Great. But it, it flopped. And I was wondering after, I was like, why did it flop? Why, why it didn't pick up? Why, why, why? And I realized I underestimated the social media aspect of things. So yeah. I start, and this is back in 2011. So the word did the digital marketer didn't even exist at that time, right? Now it's pretty yeah. common. So I started studying digital marketing, social media marketing, SEO, SEM, web design, thing, but on the side, on, on the side of my performing career. And, you know, all of a sudden, one of my great friend, Barry Griffith from the WWRE podcast, Wrestling with Real Estate, he's a, he's a former WWE wrestler. He called me and he said, hey, do you want to produce my podcast? And I was like, never produce a podcast ever. But that was a couple of years ago. I was like, fuck it. I went on Google, how to produce podcast, enter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I said, Barry, listen, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but I'm going to do it. So if you allow me to do some mistakes, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to ch charge you, of course, a full amount because I'm learning. And he gave me my first opportunity. We went on a listen for about a year, a daily interview, a daily episode. And it was an interview based podcast in real estate. That was crazy. Like I would never do that ever again in my life. That's way too much work. But this is how I end up in, in digital marketing. And it started from that podcast and then another podcast. And then because you guys are real estate people, so you know, you always need stuff. You, all, you always need a logo for something, uh, you know, a presentation document, a brochure, a, a pitch deck. Uh, you, you, Sometimes you need, uh, I don't know, something to uh, a, a direct booking website for your Airbnb. And then my clients started to ask me more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And because I'm very transparent with them, I'll, if, if they ask me something I don't know how to do myself, I say, hey, let me take a look into it. I'll come back with a price and blah, 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 blah. And we sort of make it happen. And little by little, you know, I gather a little portfolio of clients I really, really, truly care about. I don't want to grow it too big because I'm very close to, to my clients. And yeah, I ended up in, I ended up in, in real estate marketing, which is, which is interesting very interesting so do you do any real estate investing or anything yourself i did i did in vegas I, I would say i'm a business guy like okay i know real estate the real estate is a business in itself i know but there is not sorry guys and i'm sorry for your audience i'm sorry for everybody but 
There's nothing I find more boring than underwriting a multifamily deal. I know that's the way to build wealth. Like, you don't need to convince me. (laughs) I know that. It just turns me off. I hate it. Like, I don't like it. It doesn't turn me on. It's not creative enough. It's I I don't like it. Um, I I would be more interested in short-term rental or, you know, or straight up buying businesses. So, oops, sorry. So this is... This is more my my DNA as an investor. I'd, I'd rather invest in businesses and in people. So and maybe, yeah, well, dude, we're in alignment there. Just just yeah. so you know, I was doing some real estate investing and underwriting a million multifamily deals, doing some multifamily syndication stuff, and and didn't like it at all myself either. And I pivoted and I I bought a roofing company a few months ago. So now I've kind of kind of switched away from the the real estate focus. We still have properties, of course, but that's yeah. not my main focus anymore. But you're still in real estate. You know what I mean? Well, that's the beauty of real estate. It's so versatile. You know what I mean? Sure. If you're more creative, if you're more of an entrepreneur, let's say maybe you would go more in you know, construction development, or maybe you would go more in short-term rental or boutique hotel or things like that, that, that you, need, you need way more creativity, right? It, it, that's the beauty of real estate, but I, I think I'm, I'm just seeing too much real estate. You know what I mean? Too much like real estate content. And it's maybe I got a little, you know, fed up. So, uh, but I'm looking here in Spain cause I live, you know, I live on, on, I live near the Cancun of Europe, you know, it's like 40, mm. 45 minutes away. Like you, you go, you go here in August, like it, it, you have like a, an apartment here. The occupancy rate is crazy. It's like 80% and up in, 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 the, in the good town, of course. It's crazy. It's a really good place to invest in Spain, but the, the, it's very different than, than, than America. Very, very different in terms of loan, you know, mortgage and things like that. It's a little, mm. it's easier to leverage in America than, than, in, than in Spain, for sure. It does yeah. it not work that you can just get a mortgage, you know, 20% down and is it, is it different? Uh, it's it's very different. Um, in the huh. U.S., they're gonna value the cash flow of your investment, right? They're gonna say if oh, you I finance see. a short-term rental and you say I'm planning to rent it out to someone else, and here's the rent, blah 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 blah. The, the banker will most likely consider that, right? Here, it really gotcha. works about about what's your equity. So you need to sort of build your first equity it's it's all based on that it's it's getting your first property that is very very hard you know because gotcha. if not there's no way you will you will qualify there's there's just no way yeah and and yeah. The, the the buying process is different there's more taxes uh you have way more margin in the u.s way more margin you know for example there's a welcome tax in spain for new construction that if i'm not wrong we should fact check this but it's near 20%. 20%. Wow. To think about it for a new construction. So you're yeah. developing something, it's boom, 20% up, bath, that just disappear, you know? So it is still possible, but, mm, you know, fix and flip, there's a lot of opportunity in that. There's a lot of abandoned units, like a, a, sh- a ton of abandoned units. Um, what I would say where the opportunities are from what I see from investment groups that I'm part of in, in Spain. Um, how do you say the people that squat squatters, right? People that just move in an apartment and they pretend yeah. they live there and they don't live there. So that's a real problem here, of course. Um, and those are the real opportunity. This is where you're going to get an apartment for like three peanuts and a half. Like, I'm not kidding. Like huh. You can, oh, yeah, yeah, three peanuts and a half. Like, you know, you can pay 10,000 euros, something that if you get rid of the, uh, of the squatters, you can resell 100,000 euros, like, within a month. You know what I mean? Hmm. Huh. But it, but, but, you're, you know what I mean? It's a whole other scope of work dealing with right. squatters because there's a hole in the law. You cannot really kick them out, right. you know? So it's, it's very complicated, but there is resources to educate yourself uh, towards that. But this is really where the, the opportunities are here because the rent are still very low uh, right now in, uh, uh, in Spain. So it's not worth it to buy something and rent it out like a, you know, a multifamily deal. I'm sure people can make money with that for sure. But most of the people that do multifamily are, will also be constructors, you know, so... So yeah, it is it is very very different. Yeah. Yeah. And what what took you to Spain? Love. 
Uh, no, no, I married my, my wife is, is from here. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, my wife is from, from here. And, but it's more than that. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Montreal, Quebec. But the first time I landed in Barcelona, for some reason, I don't know how to, to describe it other than that, is the plane was landing and I had the feeling I was coming back home. And since then, that, mm. that feeling never disappeared. It never vanished. I, I, I really feel home here. And when I go back to Quebec, oh. I like to see my family. I like to see, you know, where I studied and a couple of, you know, going down the nostalgic path, right? But I don't feel home anymore. Yeah. I don't feel home anymore in, in Quebec. I feel, I feel home here. You know, I never felt really like a foreigner here. So, yeah, it's a simpler, simpler life. For sure, for sure, for sure. And you met so, your wife in the States? I'm no, I met my wife in Italy about 15 years ago. We were touring together. And oh, then she cool. went to Montreal. And after that, she followed me to Vegas. And we had twins in Vegas. And, and oh, wow. we all moved back. Yeah, we all moved back about six years ago. Yeah. But what I love about like to, to, for this painting is the simplicity. I, I think anyone and mostly in the U.S., right, because you get caught up into the uh, I got to pay my bills. I'm going to, you know, being scared of getting sick, uh, being scared of having your kids going to college. So you sort of organize all your life, your, your W-2 job and put money on the side for the harder days, the rainy days. Right. Or, or, or for retirement and all that. But it's it's because. It's expensive to live in the U.S. It's very expensive, right? Whereas other country where the cost of living is is lower, uh, it's it's for sure it's a huge sacrifice to to immigrate in another country. But sometimes you need to make sacrifice if you want to reach some sort of time freedom, right? And live your life according yeah. to your own terms. So I'm extremely busy, but I'm extremely free as well, because mm -hmm. it costs me nothing for the life I have here. You know. Yeah, you know, I work with a lot of foreign clients and and they are usually like pretty wealthy families in in their home countries. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of what I do is sell to developers and and so then they got a project here and they end up coming here to the US and you know, an investor type visa once they got it and then they're just shocked with how expensive everything is. It doesn't doesn't seem to fail where they come from. It, it's just shocking. Um but you the know, beauty and, and, of that to me is it for, it's in the culture to make money in America, you know, it, it's yeah. in the culture, it's, it's, it's valued in the culture, not to be rich, yeah. but, but to be an entrepreneur, let's, let's say entrepreneur, when you say you're an entrepreneur, ooh, you're so cool, right? Ooh, ooh, it's so fashion, you know, but still, yeah. because you guys value that you've, you, that you live in a beautiful country. It is more expensive to live there, but at the same time, there's way more opportunities in, in America than, than mm -hmm. here in Spain, you know, uh, you know, for, so yeah, yeah, it's something, it's something to keep in mind. Absolutely. You know, America is a, is a, is a place of opportunities for sure. That's why, you know, all the foreigners dream about America. Like it's that sort of, right dream land where all the you know you can become whoever whatever you want right so uh but it's do you true. think that it's still totally holds true. true you think that still holds true to this day or has it shifted much just it's, i'm well, curious to know with a perspective I, I, from somebody I else think, i think it now. is yeah i think it's true in america but with now with digital digitalization of everything right yeah. i think there's opportunity for everyone all around the globe you know hundred um, If you're a little bit curious, interested, motivated, and you're a little bit disciplined to learn something, you're going to make it wherever you are, right? Uh, but in terms of culture, when it comes to like financing and the banking system and all, it, it's way better to do business in America, way better, mm. way better, way more tax advantages. Like it's, it's yeah, there's... It, you're better off being in America for sure. That's great. But it sounds like you're running a nice geographical hack where you get to live in Spain and in this beautiful place and, and make your money in America from overseas. Absolutely. And the thing is, my labor are here so that my workers here because I have, I have video editors, graphic designers, I have people that work for me. For me, I'm, I just merged with a studio here, Well Studio. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. We have like a little, you know, a, a studio. We have a, everything to to shoot commercials and things like that, right? And yeah, of course, because here, hey, how much do you think a physician makes per month here in Spain? Okay, a physician, physician, my friend, physician, physician, a doctor. All right. Hello, doctor. My elbow hurt. What's going on? Oh, okay, okay. That guy, $3,500 a month. Oh, wow. $3,500. You start there. And after 20 years of experience, you might get to five grand. You might get to wow. five grand. Hmm. Whereas wow. I'm working with podcasts and I'm working with, with, with Americans that say that all down, like out loud, like getting to your first 10K per month should be the easiest thing ever. It's after that it gets harder. You know, like we have that mentality of we're not scared of numbers in America, right? Sure. So, so where I get where it's an advantage, it's I work only with Americans. I work, I have only one, uh, two clients in Canada, actually, uh, but all of them are, are Americans. And my labor is here is in Spain. So my labor is super cheap. You know, yeah. like here you have a full-time employee for 1500 a month, like a full-time video editor, for example, you know, so I'm definitely not Pakistan cheap, you know, but I'm definitely way cheaper than whatever you're going to get in, in America, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I'm in a very strong place, you know, uh, here. Absolutely. So so I'd love to get into that a little more in your business. Can you um, talk a little bit about what exactly you do? We know you're doing some kind of uh, editing and marketing mm -hmm. for podcasting. I'd like to talk about that, but then I'd also like to dig into what the business looks like. You mentioned you have a team. And, and so I, I'd, yeah. I'd just love to dig in a little bit to see what you got going on. So uh, initially, I just I was just producing podcast and YouTube channel in the real estate mindset financial niche right because everything is intertwined right in real estate you speak about mindset all the time and it's it's sort of intertwined it, it they don't go separately um so i started yeah with with simply producing the podcast so that means like everything from from you know starting up a podcast all the way to negotiating sponsorship and monetization right so I do, I, I cover everything uh, in there, you know, uh, it, it, it's going to be, a, you know, a branding, recording, a technical advice, then we're going to do post-prod, right? Uh, You're helping come up with logos and thumbnails course, and all that stuff as well. Everything, everything. Yeah. I'm going to also coach the host because it's one thing to say, oh, I have a podcast, but you need some sort of strategy, right? And usually a podcast is a component of a, of a global marketing strategy. As I say, you don't need a podcast. You need content for your social media. Right. And, and the podcast is a tool for that, right? Or you, need, you don't need a podcast. You need to sit for an hour. And on, on that hour, you're going to have like 10, 15 clips for your social media. You're going to have from there, we can, sit, we, get, we can chop them in two different clips. So you know what I mean? After that, we can do the written transcription for a newsletter or a blog post. Uh, you can use that blog post to then, you know, post back on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or things like that. Just a podcast is something that is so easy to leverage for, for anyone that is super busy, you know, and that's the case of most real estate investors because they're deal makers. They're, they don't want to become the next TikTok uh, little investor thing, right? So, so the podcast become one component of a global strategy. With time, I got involved in the rest of the strategy. So I went to, for example, I'm the, I'm the creative director of Pre-Real, uh, Pre-Real.com. You can go, anyone. It's one of my clients from the Pre-Real podcast. The host is Jane Predamano. And he does, initially does business in, you know, Staten Island, New York, New Jersey, uh, in Arizona as well, and in New Mexico, if I'm not wrong. Um, and little by little, it just in increased my responsibilities. You know, I started with the podcast and then I was in charge of, you know, the social media. And then I, I, got, I went in charge, I supervised this marketing team, for example, for certain project. And I, become, mm -hmm. I became some sort of a creative director, um, you know, making sure that the brand has a cohesive message on every channel, right? So I can either, you know, work with, for example, our ad manager to make sure the creative of the ads match the brand message right um i might uh, for example supervise the work of the web designer whoever is taking care of the website to 
just to make sure everything is in line and everything moves in the right direction because it's not only words that you say it your mission your value is showing up in every single pieces of your design right a logo a logo is not it's 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 nothing it's just the tip of the iceberg right it's it's just the li a little tiny part of the of of a branding and the branding is the rest of the iceberg right so and and yeah i this is what i do so i guess i be i, I went from being you know a podcast producer to almost a marketing consultant right so so yeah and i think what what my clients appreciate probably is my transparency because i'm because i don't when something doesn't work i'm not scared of saying it i don't really kiss asses because i don't really need more client also like and I never lost any clients so far, so I must be doing something right. But I don't work with anybody, though. I, I, I don't. It, it really needs to be a fit before I start working with someone. I don't take a gig just for the just for the money. Love that. So, what does your team look like? How many employees do you have, and, and so what are the I different have, pieces? Yeah, I have an assistant that is a full time employee. I have a video editor. I have uh, two, two graphic designers and they all have their specialty, right? I will have a copywriter. And on top of it, I'm hiring, I have a team of freelancers that, you know, it can be like, for example, video animator, like people that are like a guy that is very, that is just specialized in, in animation or motion or graphic, motion graphic, mm. right? Um, <laughs> And I will have like a web designer depend because all web designers have their expertise, right? So you need more than one. And I'm not that I'm not at a point where I can all have all of them on a payroll, right? So I have like a small team, yeah, with a web designer and then freelancer. I'm gonna have like one ad slash SCM uh, manager, uh, search engine marketing or as SEO specialist because I just find this is the most boring shit ever, but. Um, I, <laughs> I will gladly pay someone else to take care of that bullshit for me. I understand it, of course, because I'm selling it, but oh, no, no, that's one thing I don't, uh, I, uh, yeah, that's complicated. So yeah, that's more or less, that's my team. Yeah. You, you seem to have a very like, um, intuitive marketing mind, like how to connect, you know, somebody's messaging with, with, uh, yeah. with an audience, right. How to find, how did that develop? Did you study marketing first of all? I, I did study. No, initially I didn't. Sorry. I la recently I studied marketing. Yes. But no, no, I come from the artistic world. Absolutely. Yeah. come from the art. In terms of formation, no, I went to the master degree. All the, I went all the way to the master degree in performing art, where I got interested oh, about wow. the, the education of the, what I call the acrobatic actor. Right. Um, but to answer your question, branding is all about gut feeling. All right. Um, and artistic direction is about gut feeling. It's only about that. I, I can smell a bad actor. He just put one foot on stage and I, I know it's not moving in the right direction. Yeah. And yes, this is something you develop with time. But I think the skill that I develop is, is listening and trusting my gut feeling towards something. Because the reason why you're going to choose uh, a, a one brand over the other one is nothing else than a gut feeling. Nothing else, my friend. Nothing else. I'm sorry to 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 bring it to you. It's not about the product itself. It's how you identify to a certain brand. You know, yeah. like we take for example. Uh, I I don't want to take running shoes for example because real real runners we have a brand and we don't really care what they look like, right? That's that's sort of a. I hate for example I hate the look of Asics but I cannot run in anything else, right? So I'm not going to take the shoes thing. I'm going to talk just, just a simple shirt to go running. Why will you choose Nike over Reebok? Why? You know, it's because there's something that in your gut feeling that speaks more to you with Nike because maybe you're a, you're a just do it type of person rather than the Reebok message or let's say the Salomon message, which is more step outside and go in nature and things like that. The T-shirt has the same quality. It's a black freaking T-shirt. One has Nike and the other one has a little Salomon logo, right? They have the same quality. Let's stop the bullshit. Nike doesn't offer a better technology for your little T-shirt. Fuck off. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. And when it comes to branding, is the question is always, 
What type of gut feeling do you want your audience to have at the first glance? At the first glance, because people, people form an opinion in, in 0.03 seconds. You know, they know if they're going to get more interested about you or they want to just, they're going to just crawl away. So I'm not sure, I'm still not sure if you can develop that skill of having a gut feeling, but I'm definitely sure you can train your, your capacity to listen to it and trust it. That I can, I think you can develop it. But it's not anyone that can see that sort of gut feeling type of thing. There's just people that are not sensitive enough. They don't, they don't have the sensibility to, 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 to catch this up. Unfortunately, like fortunately enough, it's it's a very tiny part of the population. <laughs> you know, the rest were emotional beings, so we get carried away with 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 emotions, right? Yeah. And speaking of that, I'm I'm sure a lot of your clients come to you, and they already have some sort of branding going on, even if it's not really the full iceberg built out. I'm guessing a lot of times you have to go in and just just explode that iceberg and kind of build it from scratch does it do you get a yeah. lot of pushback when trying to trying to coach your clients on how to do it properly no i never have pushbacks if okay. i do my work properly at the first place i don't have pushbacks why because you don't pay me to 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 draw your idea mm. you pay me to understand your business to understand where your business is now, what is the problem of your business now and, and where you want to bring your business, okay? And I'm getting paid to pull off the idea, the design idea that will allow you to go there. That's why you pay me. You don't pay me to draw your idea. I might, I might take your idea, right? Because I might think it's a good idea, but I'm, I'm going to take the time to really understand your business where you are right now, where you want to go, and what type of design we can we can come up as a solution, right? And that's more than mm -hmm. just a logo, as you say, right? It's a whole branding, it's a whole vibe of uh, of something. The, the, most of the time I see real estate investor, what they do, unfortunately, is they just go on Fiverr and they hire whoever for a $5 logo. And they're like telling someone in Pakistan, draw me a logo, right? Or draw me a logo like this. And of course, like the person in Pakistan draw you the logo like this. It's a pair of hands, right? And sometimes I hire a designer from Pakistan. I did it. And, you know, you might go through a few on Fiverr before you find like a few good ones, right? But that person doesn't, doesn't think strategically, doesn't put your brand in the middle of the other brands of your competition, right? And this is where the idea uh, this is where when I'm saying I'm not charging for my time, I'm charging for the ideas. Does your typical client arrive with the idea already in mind, though, or do you help them? Like sometimes, uh, you know, we, we, I, we, I, I, I might feel like I have an idea and I'll be lost in it. And you come along and you just really help me develop it. Or you might even say, hey, Louie, that idea is awful. That's not really what you want. And, you know, where where do you? Uh, usually they, they're going to come with a global idea because usually like, you know, when they come to me, they're pretty clear on their mission, on their core values. And this is everything sure. that I discovered through like a branding questionnaire. Like it's a, the branding is a process, right? So, um, so most of the time they're going to have a general idea, but they're going to send me references, right? Because it's important to me to, to, for me to have reference, because if, if both of you ask you to close your eyes, and imagine the color blue. I'm fairly sure I will have two different blue. So if one is asking me for a blue logo and the other one is asking me for a blue logo, you know, even, even if you're asking me for the same logo, it's not the same blue you're thinking. So I need some reference. I need some example. And it's in those examples that I try, to, I try to see why the client chose that example. And this is sometimes something that the client don't even know. The, the client was just... Um, was just in, uh, triggered emotionally by a certain logo, but the client don't really understand why he got triggered. And, and most of the time, it's because that logo is in line with with his already defined mission and core value and and all that, you know. So I listen. I listen a lot. I ask a lot of questions. Actually, I don't. I don't. I, I ask questions. That's why ninety percent of my job is asking questions. To make sure I really understand where the client wants to go, because sometimes 
the client. Like, for example, the, the logo of the Wayfinder with the compass. I think it's a brilliant idea. It makes sense. You find your way. When you find your way, you're connected to your purpose. So it's like a compass, right? It's like a, that's why you, you chose the, the, this, this icon, right? Am I, am I right or no? It becomes your north. Right, correct. Your logo, the logo behind you, the Wayfinder show, right? There's a reflection behind it. So maybe you, you hired someone and you had that idea already, mm -hmm. you know, but it could have been anything, you know, it could, you could have come up with another idea, you know, and maybe you would have come up with that. And I would say, ah, maybe the come, maybe it would be better off with something that represents a map, for example, maybe it's more of a map than a, than a compass. I don't know. I'm just saying, right. Sometimes right. I would push yeah. an idea further. I think your logo is great. It's perfect, man. It's I'm not it's not a critic towards you. No, logo. no just, offense taken it's just at all. A, no, no, yeah. it's just an, an example, yeah. right? But usually when the client becomes too specific, unless the client have a strong design background and, and have a proven track record that, that that the client can translate an idea into a design, usually I, I try to push the idea further, a little further. And yeah, sometimes I take them outside of their comfort zone, but so far so good you know yeah yeah what do you go to for obviously your you, your job requires a lot of your your business requires a lot of creativity yeah where do you get inspiration from for that creativity running 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 yeah running definitely running absolutely running like uh, to yeah. me run, as i say uh, no one I'm, i'm an ultra runner and no one does ultra running to stay in shape that just doesn't exist right no one does that just just no it, you you go to the gym for that right there, there's a deeper purpose of, of of running an ultra marathon right and no this is where i get most of my idea when i run most of my idea this is where i really clear my mind um meditation helps as as well but i would say on top of it um creativity goes in wave right So, and at some point you learn how, when is the perfect time to create and when it's not the time to create, you know? So sometimes I might start uh, working on like a, a task assignment for my graphic designer and I'm just not inspired at all, zero, nothing. So if I keep pushing that, it's going to take me four hours to do the job. If I just do something else for four hours, I can pull off the job in 30 minutes after, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. to, to. To, to trust that sometime now it's not the time to create something. The inspiration is not there, right? Um, and respect yeah. that. This is how you, you, you become creative because cre creativity is not something you can really force. And so you, you say you run ultramarathons for, for creativity, Fun. but obviously, you know, <laughs> an ultramarathon is not a, it's not a regular event, right? So you, <laughs> no. you're, you're, you run regularly for that, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Your... I run regular yeah, routine it, to... it, it, in the summer a little less but i try to run about like eight ten miles a day that's okay. my uh that's my volume of, of training always in trail always in mountains uh i never run on nice. on, on any road i just don't like it i i like i like climbing i like hiking i like running downs i like i like landscape yeah. to me being in front of a of a landscape is very very inspiring because Like the, 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 you never really touch the horizon, right? It's, it's very poetic to look at an horizon when you think about it. Cause absolutely. So, cause the horizon, you, it's not a destination. You'll never get there ever, ever. Cause when you get there, there's another horizon. There's another destination. There's something, but the horizon is very inspiring as well. You want to go there since, since I'm, yeah. since I'm a young child, I'm fascinated about this. Oh, I'm going to go to that mountain over there. Oh, wow. And when I got to that mountain, even if it was a few, you know, not too far from my home, I, I had that, that feeling, of, oh, I'm coming from there. The distance, the, the distance always fascinated me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, running is definitely part of my uh, spiritual life, I would say, more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I run every day and I run in all condition. I just... When I'm inspired to run, I just go out. And now, like as I was saying before we started recording, so now I'm a, in a weird phase, man, where like I, I like to go run at 120 degrees. Like it, when, it's, wow. when it's the worst, I don't know why. I just don't know why. I don't know why. I just like, oh, yeah, not today. I yeah, just I don't feel either. like, like take, a, take a nice beat up. I don't know. 
as I said, it's yeah. a mind, it's a mind exercise, right? Because most of the people that tell you, oh no, don't go run in 120 degrees, never, they never ran in 120 degrees. They never did it, right? Oh no, it's dangerous. You can get dehydrated. And you're like, have you ever got dehydrated in the middle of a race? Have you ever puked yourself? No. Well, how do you know you can do it or you cannot do it if you don't push that limit, if you don't get there? You know, I'm saying you need to do it safely, of course, right? But this is why also I love ultra running. It's impossible that you run an ultra without feeling like shit at some point. It's just not right. possible. It's not doable. It's, it's yeah. everybody feels like shit. You have a massive drop of energy or, 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 or you get sick or you get hallucination or, you, you know, it's, it's normal. It's part of the process and how you keep going in, into that right? Because you're touching the limit. And when you touch the limit, you're pushing it a little further, a little further. First thing you know, you ran 60 miles. You did a 60 mile race. And you're like, what? I did that? Those legs did that? Fuck. Let's do another yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Were you doing a, Were you doing this? How long have you been doing that? Like, were you already running in Vegas? And while you were I, I was I was always oh I was always interested in in long distance shit. So at the beginning it was bike. Yeah, I was biking. I started okay. biking. Uh, but but I'm telling you, for me it was a game. When I was five years old, I used to pick, take my bike and just leave. And you know when I was yeah. coming back home, I was like, hey, I went all the way to school. And my mom was like, what? That's like you know yeah. that's like you know I don't know five ten kilometers away. Like what? You did that? Okay. Uh, all right and I, I um i always ran um but i had like I, I did a good 10 years i would say of of serious biking you know road bike and i went back to running like seriously when i moved back here um uh six years ago that i uh, strictly dedicate myself to 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 ultra running to okay. to running basically i i used to say i well, what I do for a living is running, and then I organize the rest of my life around it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. It's it's, uh, it's a, why I wake up to go run. It's at a five. drug. It's a drug, and you're not the it same is. person. You need it. You probably yeah. become maybe more grumpy or more like you just need it. It's just part of your life. It's like it's almost like taking a shower. Like you, you, you need to take a shower. It's basic things in life. You need to do that. Yeah. You need to take care of your mind, your, your body mind. Right. And running yeah. is our way of taking care of, of, of that. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Mark, we're at that point where we like to ask our famous uh, wayfinder four, and now it's okay. really world famous since we're talking to somebody from another part of the world so <laughs> we we mean it factually now so <laughs> uh so mark tell us a little tell us a, a hack that you like to use okay i had a hack but i'm gonna change it because i just it's linked to what i just say i would say yeah i had a feeling it was trust trust your gut feeling and your body just enough so you can push the limit without hurting yourself that's my life hack all right. Trust your gut feeling and your body just enough. Right. So you can push the limit without hurting yourself. It, it, because it's so easy to fall into, you know, I went running the other day with, with, with someone, not a hundred, it wasn't 120 degrees. It wasn't, you know, it, it was fairly, the fit, it, it, it was fairly cold outside. She brought like, I want to say like a gallon of water with her for like a, you know, that the four or five mile run. And I was like, why? You know, and because she's so scared. She was so scared of, of going out for so long without water, you know? So she didn't trust her buddy enough saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, I don't need that amount of water. Let's see like how we, I can make it happen. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying anyone <laughs> go run 20 miles with no water. This is not what I'm saying. You're right. Because you need to push the limit without hurting yourself that you need to remember because you can hurt yourself. Absolutely. You can hurt yourself when you don't listen to your gut feeling as well. You're falling in love with the wrong person, right? Or getting into a, a deal, you know, like you get into a deal, a real estate deal, and you just, there's something in your guts. You're like, man, I yeah. don't trust that guy. I just don't trust him. Yeah. But then you get cut yeah. up. The money is good and blah, blah, blah. And you still do it. And first thing, you know, you have a problem after a problem, after another problem, 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 problem. Well, 
you didn't trust your gut feeling at the first place. So, but you need to trust it just enough because if you just trust your gut feeling, then you, you, you might not do ever business. Yeah. Right. You, you might never right. commit to a deal. Right. So right. yeah, this is the little hack I would say. Yeah. All right. Now name a favorite. This could be a book, a movie, a, a podcast, whatever. Mm. I would recommend anyone uh, anyone to read uh, uh, This is Marketing by Seth Godin. Mm. This book. is Marketing. Yeah, because it, it, if you really want to understand where how modern marketing is working, because we're entering a new, in a new era of marketing. We, we, it's very different nowadays than, than 20 years, 30, 50 years ago, right? Now it works by tribe. It works by identification. We follow each other, right? Following, there, there's the word follower, leader, follower, leader, right? So it's all about understanding your community. And what I really loved about that book is he explained very clearly that marketing, real marketing, you, you build from your smallest viable audience. Smallest viable audience. Who cares like I make a crazy good living out of my 2000 followers. Crazy. Like it's, it's insane. Like six figure business, 2000 followers. You don't need a million followers. I just have the right 2000 ones, you know, right. mm -hmm. that's it. You know, so you take care of a small community and you build from there because people get confused. They think you need big numbers. You need that big dick, right? But you don't need a big dick to be a good lover. Right. So same thing with your following. You don't need a huge following to make money. You need the right followers. Cool. Thank you. We're trying to make this a family show, so I won't follow up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. What's something you would tell your 25 year old self, Mark? Hmm. Pay attention to your gut feeling. Pay attention to your gut feeling. Pay attention yeah. every day, every single day. Pay more attention to it. That's, that's, that's the advice I would, I would say, listen to, you know, that little voice that ah, I knew it, that, yeah. that mm, I knew that shit would go south. Yeah. Fuck. And I did it. We've all listening done it. to my gut feeling, not get caught up into my, too much into my rationality, but, and it's funny because I've been an artist, right? So you might think, you might think my gut feeling told me to go in the artistic world, but no, 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 no. My gut feeling told me to go in business. And I didn't, I didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to it. I went, I went the artistic route, right? I had a dream. I wanted to work for Cirque du Soleil, you know, I wanted to, and I achieved that, that goal. I achieved that dream, you know, like this is me It's the, here, you know, if you go in Vegas, my face is everywhere. Like, you know, I was the main character. I was one of the main character of that show. Right. Like I achieved wow. my goal. Right. But I think initially I was a businessman and I didn't, I didn't listen to that gut feeling early, well, early enough. It's not true. It's new. It's, it's okay. But yeah, that was the that that's the advice I would give to my to my younger self. All right, what do you think holds people back from being happy? Very, very good question. There's different. There, there's a lot of layers in that question. I, I I think there's a lot of people that that get. It's always linked to your gut feeling. Again, the the people make plans, have expectation, and they're constantly disappointed about that. The, people live in the future. They never hear now. They're never in the present. Right. So by never being fully immersed into the now, you even bring your past bullshit and you're re-chewing re on it, which makes you feel depressed, right? This is, de this is depression. Depression comes with whatever happened in the past. You cannot be depressed about something that will happen in the future. This is where anxiety comes into play. Or they live constantly projected into, into the future. When I will have this, when I will do that, I will be happy. When I will get to that... And, and that's why you need to be careful with the goal-oriented mindset, huh? Because if you're constantly living into your goals, then you're missing here now. And life cannot be experienced outside of here now. There is nothing that exists outside of the very moment where you listen to the word I'm saying right now. It doesn't matter when you listen to this, pod, to this podcast. Maybe someone is driving on the, on the highway. Maybe someone is running in the wood and listen to those words. Life doesn't exist outside of this moment. And this is the main reason why people are not happy. And this is why depression 
you know, the numbers on depression are going up like crazy. The suicidal rate is going up like crazy. Yeah. People, people always get caught up. They get caught up in, in the, into the future, into what they wish they could have and what they will have rather than observing here now and maybe realizing they have more than what they were thinking about initially. That's a good one. I, I find that there's nothing better for that than, than running in particular oh, you're yeah. doing trail running, right? I oh, mean, you yeah. have to watch every step right now or else you could take a big step fall yeah. or something like that. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you're really focused on the present. Oh, absolutely. Right. If not, you you never make. There's no way you start a, a 60 mile race. I ran the ultra ultra Pirineo. Where was it in last October? It's a hundred kilometers. So what is it like? 62 miles? I think 63 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's no way you can you can go through a race like that without just being focused on the step you're making right now at this That's very it. moment. The path is there. You just need to follow the little, the little thing. The path is there. You have eight station, yeah. like the path is there. You just need to go on it. Right. But if you get, and, and the thing is like, you cannot pay too much attention to every step because sometimes it hurts. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes your toe are bleeding or your, your skin is peeling off and all that. Right. So, it's about giving the right importance to the step you're taking right now, right? Mm. Uh, so absolutely, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so good. I agree with you. So, Mark, if it, people want to know more about you, what, yeah, they can. Uh, they they can go them? on my website, podcastproducer.com, and all my links will be there. If not, I'm pretty sure in the show notes you will put all the links, so they just have to click there. But the easy remember one is podcastproducer.com. Mark, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a it's been a great great way to wake up for us here in the states <laughs> and have a good conversation here. Thank you, thank yeah. you for having me. You have a wonderful show, and anyone that is listening to should spend. If you went all the way to this point of the interview, please take a twenty second, write a review, recommend it, send it to someone. This is just it's twenty seconds of your life that will greatly help help those guys ranking and get their podcast going get that message out there all right yeah thank you so thank you thank, thank you, you for, for having me you thank heard you. it here from a pro folks Leave those reviews. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed the wayfinder show if you got value from this episode please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review this will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives we'll catch you on the next episode